Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 44, recorded Sunday, October 25th, 2020. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone. And thanks for listening to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Here we are, set to close out October 2020. We should have been wrapping up our trip to Bonaire right about now, and I know a lot of people are disappointed with our inability to get away to many of the places we like to dive. We are going to do everything we can to battle this virus and get back to all the places we want to go. In the meantime, on today's show, I want to talk a little bit about decompression theory. Then I want to talk about the great course we just completed, and that was the dive against debris. And for your next dive, I'm going to take you to Cayman Brac, where we'll stay at the Cayman Brac Beach Resort, and we're going to dive with reef divers. So let's get started. We are always looking at how we deliver our entry-level scuba training. Our PADI open water diver course has continued to evolve with time. We have taken advantage of technology and have adjusted how we deliver the curriculum to meet the changing needs of people who live very busy lives and have demanding schedules. Additionally, the COVID-19 pandemic has dictated that we do things differently to ensure we reduce the risk of spreading the virus and keep both our staff and students as safe as we can. As we continue to evolve, we've made great use of our virtual capabilities with Zoom and have even built a studio in our shop capable of leveraging three cameras with three different monitors to present information to to our students. We've developed several new presentations that we feel are going to ensure that our entry-level divers get the reinforcement necessary to augment the knowledge development delivered in their electronic learning. One of the areas we wanted to reinforce was a discussion on decompression theory and then tie it into a further dialogue on dive planning, specifically with the dive computer. We train all of our open water students on the Aqualung I-100 dive computer. So today, I want to talk a little bit more about decompression theory. This is a pretty, no pun intended, deep subject. So my research led me to a number of different places. And one of those places was Divers Alert Network, where I went to their electronic learning course list. There, I found a course based on a lecture given by Richard Van, a legendary researcher and champion of dive safety. 
Dr. Van died earlier this year, but his work lives on. If you want to read more about Dr. Van, there is an article in the third and fourth quarter 2020 Alert Diver magazine. Dr. Van touches on bubble theory work that was started by Paul Burt way back in 1878. And then he moves to a discussion of John Scott Haldane's groundbreaking modeling on which all modern theory is based. Haldine introduced the idea of tissue compartments and how quickly those tissue compartments became saturated with nitrogen. The tissue compartments represent different parts of your body. The speed with which the tissue gets loaded with nitrogen is called a halftime. Haldine used five tissue compartments in his model, and his half times were 5, 10, 20, 40, and 75 minutes. To give you an idea of how far we've come, the Bullman algorithm uses 16 compartments, ranging from 4 minutes up to 635 minutes. It wasn't until the mid-1960s that Dr. Robert Workman came up with the concept of M-values. At the time, Dr. Workman was with the Navy's Experimental Diving Unit. M-value, or maximum value, is the absolute inert gas pressure that a tissue compartment can take without presenting symptoms of decompression sickness. So now we have half times determining how compartments get saturated with nitrogen and M-values that give us the safe limits for nitrogen loading. And then the mathematical model gets applied, producing our dive tables, or it gets built into our dive computer. You might also hear another term, gradient factor. Essentially, this is a way of modifying M-values to a more conservative value. It's a percentage of the M-value that the designer used, and it's expressed with two numbers. The first number is the allowed percentage supersaturation at depth, and the second is the percentage of M-value at the surface. Most computers use gradient factors, and you can adjust them with a conservative setting. An example of this is my Shearwater Perdix AI. I was in the deco setup menu, and I can switch from a low setting of 45 95, a medium set setting of 40 85, or a high setting of 35 70. There's also an ability to custom set it, like 30 80. It can get a little confusing, but with a little study of the pieces, it starts to come together. I also referred back to my Encyclopedia of Recreational Diving, as well as my Dive Master Manual for information. And remember, there is a wealth of information in your Dive Computer's Manual as well. So from here, my next challenge is building out our presentation on decompression theory and using the I-100 to plan and conduct a dive for our open water class. Bringing the physics and physiology together is an important part of our diver's education, and understanding the essentials of decompression theory will be reinforced in our training.
Last weekend, we did something new and something I found extremely rewarding. We conducted the PADI Project Aware Dive Against Debris Specialty Course. This all came about as I was working on what the shop would be doing during Project Aware Week this year. Since advocating for ocean health and sustainability is a key part of our mission, as a dive shop, it just felt like this was a good thing to do. We couldn't get it done during Project Aware Week because we had other stuff going on. But we got it in. The first thing I needed to do was the research on the specialty course and found out that I needed to get my designation as a Dive Against Debris Specialty Instructor. No big deal. I downloaded all the great material from the Project Aware uh, site, studied it, and sent my paperwork off to Patty, and quickly got my rating. So I want to talk a little bit more on how we conducted the course, what it was in, and what was involved. Like most of our training these days, we leveraged our virtual classroom for knowledge development, and then we headed out to the ocean a few days later to conduct our dive against debris. During the knowledge development session, we talked all about the sources of marine debris, how it gets into our waterways, and we all shared examples of problems with marine debris that we've encountered. We also talked about all the efforts being made to clean up the ocean, and we all agreed that a critical step that must be taken is that we have to stop putting trash in the ocean to begin with. From there, we transitioned into discussing the actual dive and how valuable it is to conduct a dive against debris survey. One of the neat things about the course is the Dive Against Debris data card that you can use to complete and record your survey. It's a two-page form that captures all the relevant information about your survey, uh, like the location, the latitude and longitude, depth, duration, participants, and more. And then you also have a detailed checklist to catalog all the trash you find. I just want to note that you only record trash that you pull out from underwater. On the surface or on the beach, it doesn't count. We closed out our virtual session by discussing how to make our survey count, and that's by following the five easy steps. Weigh, sort, record, dispose, and report. We finished up the night by reviewing the logistics for our Sunday morning dive. Well, Sunday morning arrived with some spectacular New England fall weather. A great day for diving at Fort Weatherall in Jamestown, Rhode Island. And we were treated to some pretty good visibility. After our dive briefing and going through our plan, we geared up and hit the water with five divers. Our survey time came in at 41 minutes. And we managed to pull three pounds of trash from underwater. Of the 19 pieces of trash we recovered, three of them were surgical face masks. Certainly a sign of the times. Once the sorting and recording was complete, we bundled all the trash for proper disposal. I gotta say, we all felt really good about our dive with a purpose. And then it was very rewarding to actually record our results in the Dive Against Debris database see our I Dive Against Debris badge next to our 100% Aware and I Organize Aware Action badges on the Project Aware site, 
and then find our survey on the map. When I first started planning this course, little did I realize how impactful it would be for me, and I think our newly certified Dive Against Debris divers felt the same way. Diving with a purpose, participating in citizen science, while having fun underwater is special. If your dive shop isn't doing Dive Against Debris, ask them if they might consider doing it. You and they won't be disappointed. Time to make every dive a dive against debris. I started the Your Next Dive segment here on Scuba Shack Radio a year ago as a way to talk about some of the great places to dive. Today is the 10th installment of Your Next Dive, and we are going to complete our adventures in the Cayman Islands with a visit to Cayman Brock, where we'll stay at the Cayman Brock Beach Resort and dive with reef divers. As a recap, we talked about the Little Cayman Beach Resort in episode 19, and then we went to Sunset House on Grand Cayman in episode 32. So let's explore the third island. My experience with the Cayman Brock Beach Resort is a little dated. We had a shop trip there way back in October of 2006. So I'm guessing things may be a little different after 14 years, but I'm also guessing a lot is probably the same. The Cayman Brock Beach Resort is part of the Clearly Cayman Dive Resorts that include Little Cayman Beach Resort and Cobalt Coast Resort on Grand Cayman. This collective of resorts is owned and operated by the Tibbetts family, a prominent family in the Caymans since the 1700s. First off, Cayman Brock is a little easier to get to than Little Cayman. The Charles Kirkinall International Airport located on the western end of the island, is very close to the beach resort, and it has a runway that's big enough to land 737 jets. There are many more options to get to the Brock than the small twin otters flying to Little Cayman. Plus, the runway has lights, so you don't have to worry that much about getting, getting dark. And that was an adventure we faced last year when going to Little Cayman. As I mentioned, the airport is very close to the resort, and you get picked up by the resort staff for a short ride over. Now, the resort has had some major renovations since we were there. Several years ago, it sustained some significant damage from a hurricane, and from what I've read, it had to be almost completely rebuilt, and it was finally finished in 2015. Today, they offer 40 rooms. Their building is a two-story structure with all beach and pool views, with all the amenities you expect. As for your meals, you have several options for different meal plans. I'm always up for the all-inclusive meals. I like not having to think about going out and finding a place to eat. That's not everybody's cup of tea, but if you do get the all-inclusive meal plan, you won't be disappointed. Let's talk about the diving. First, you'll be diving with reef divers. It's the same operators as on Little Cayman. They tout themselves as valet diving. They handle all the heavy lifting. 
Reef Divers operates four Newton dive boats of 42 to 46 feet. My favorite dive boat. They have Big Sister, Little Sister, Ocean Sister, and Coral Sister. There are about 70 named dive sites around the island, and many of them are clustered around the western end, making for some short boat rides. Some folks feel like the diving isn't as good on the Brock or Grand Cayman as it is on Little Cayman. For me, all three are fantastic, and I would certainly not pass up an opportunity to dive Cayman Brock. Because it has been a while since I was there, I went back to my logbook to see where we dove. We did 18 dives on that trip. Now, one of the things they do is a morning run over to Little Cayman, where you get to do two dives on Bloody Bay Wall. So you do get a little taste of Little Cayman. I logged bottom temperatures for all the dives at 86 degrees Fahrenheit, and that was in October. And we routinely had dives between 50 to 60 minutes. We were able to do two dives on the MV Captain Keith Tibbetts, the signature wreck. Our night dive was at a site called Elkhorn Forest, and then we went back the next morning to dive the site during the day. That was pretty cool to see the difference. There isn't any shore diving from the Brock Beach Resort, but if you get the package like we did, 18 dives is a pretty good week. Reading through the logbook brought back some great memories and makes me want to go back. Let's hope the Caymans open up again early next year. So that completes our tour of the Cayman Islands here on Scuba Shack Radio's Your Next Dive. Well, that wraps it up for today, and thanks again for listening. I hope you'll consider talking to your dive shop about the Dive Against Debris course. It was really fun and rewarding. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks, after the election. While the outcome is not certain, one thing for sure is it will be historic. Take care, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.